Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, very pleasant good afternoon to you. Hope you enjoyed our show with uh, Dr. Bright a little bit ago. We took a break and had a little bite of something. And now we're going to have some more fun with a fellow that I like a lot. He's a good guy. I can remember the very first time we had him on with, uh, I think it was with Dr. Cowan, and they were talking about the germ thing, and my head was exploding, and I was wrapping my head around with duct tape, and uh, and here we are a few years later. It's Dr. Andrew Kaufman. He's an MD, public speaker, researcher. He's really into a lot of cool things. Uh, he is a has a BS, that doesn't mean what you think it means, from MIT in molecular biology, completed his psychiatric training at Duke University Medical Center, and then he got involved with a bunch of show me the germ people years ago, and uh, and uh, and here we are. <laughs> Good to see you. You look great. What do you look great? Oh, thank you so much, Patrick. It's uh, I love hearing that uh, music on your intro. It just gets the uh, get the vibrations going. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. So um, that we've kind of put that on our slide was it's been a long time since you guys have all got together and. There's a whole group of you, the Baileys and the Vomers, and uh, who else is around? Lankas, Cowans, Kaufmans. Who else is in that troupe? Uh, at Stone? Uh, right? Stone? Mark Stone? Mike Stone? Uh, yeah, Mike, Mike, Mike Stone, Stone and, and Mike Donio, and uh, also uh, Stefano Scoglio. Oh, I don't know those. Uh, I don't know those. Well, guys. Stefano Scoglio is someone that, you know, he's an Italian scientist, although he, he speaks English well. Uh-huh. Um, and he's actually been nominated for the Nobel Prize and uh, does a lot of microbiology research. And um, he was also one of the earlier scientists to uncover uh, the uh, fraud about uh, the existence of pathologic viruses. And uh-huh. Recently, he gave uh, an excellent interview um, talking about uh, the, the fallacy of the spike protein and the, what's really going on with the vaccines. Oh. So he's uh, definitely a guy you want to pay attention to. How do you spell his last name? I want to get him on. Yeah, uh, S-C-O-G-L-I-O. Cool. And uh, I can definitely uh, introduce you. Would you, you do like. that? Yeah, I, you know, I'm Italian, yeah. so hey, I mean, you want, come on, you know, I'm like, come on. <laughs> I got to talk to him. Well, we, you know, so we, because of the the virus challenge, right, that uh-huh. was uh, uh, put out uh, a few months ago, um, which was really, you know, pioneered by, and Kevin Corbett is another one uh, that who's a, a part of the group. And uh, so it's really Kevin, Mark Bailey, and Tom um, kind of took the initiative. And, uh, you know, the rest of us uh, jumped on board because we agreed and, you know, made mm-hmm. smaller contributions. But so... So we've all kind of have this, you know, group that we were in regular touch, at least, uh, you know, through email and trying to, you know, kind of coordinate our efforts when we need to, to make sure that the, the message stays clean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, do folks uh, continue to get with you guys and say, okay, here's where you're wrong and show you something? Do they do that? Well, you know, the thing is that... Um, Anyone who has been critical of us hasn't actually made any scientific arguments. <laughs> well, they, <yeah. laughs> they generally, uh, you know, say things like that we're dividing the freedom movement or that we're uh, um, uh, like Judy Mikovits, who I've had a couple of very 
friendly and collegial conversations with, although uh, we don't see eye to eye about everything, mm -hmm. recently did an interview and said that we were unqualified to make an opinion. Oh, really? So you know, that's, that's not a, a scientific argument, of course. And right. I think because if anyone wants to actually look at the science, they're going to uh, end up agreeing with us because it's really the only conclusion that you can come to <laughs> once you see see that there's a complete lack of of science actually in the publications themselves. But the basic premise that Lanka and, and you guys started a long time ago, if you don't isolate the virus properly, the very simplistic basic idea is solid, and you've never you've never veered from that, Doctor Kaufman. Correct? Well, no. I mean, uh, if you don't demonstrate that something exists in nature how can you say that it exists in nature you know you have to be able to hmm. actually see it in its natural setting you can't create some artifact in a laboratory experiment and say that that represents what's in in reality in nature and uh, that's all that they're doing and you, you know you can of course create that artifact uh, without even having a, a sample of something from a, a person who's sick at all you can still create the same exact information uh, because it's just artifact that they're reporting as, you know, something genuine. Artifact would be a made-up computer or whatever, or, or an artifact that's been mixed with something else. Well, an, an artifact is, uh, you know, a observation that arises that is a consequence of the procedure that you're doing. Hmm. Uh, so, for example, when you grow cell cultures of foreign mammalian cells like like monkey kidney cells for example that's one of the most common type that's used in these experiments and then you starve and poison those cells the artifact is well the cells don't do very well and so they show signs of dying which we call cytopathic effects or cpes mm -hmm. and that's simply an artifact of starving and poisoning a cell culture and also the fact that you know, cells from mammals are not easy to grow in the lab because in, think about in an organism, you need a constant blood supply, right? To bring nutrition, to bring oxygen, and then to take away waste products. And it's very difficult to recreate that in a laboratory. When you want a culture like bacteria in the laboratory, they don't have their single cell organisms already. So they basically, you just give them food and create the right temperature and humidity and they grow without a problem because that's kind of how they grow in nature. But with higher animals like mammals, you can't do that very simply. So you, they're very delicate and you have to keep, you know, you have to add things like fetal serum products, mm -hmm. uh, which has, you know, like uh, we know even from the beauty industry, right, that uh, there are products that uh, have colostrum, for example, that mm -hmm. when there's a new life, like a fetal development, right, that there are these kind of special stem cells and other molecules that kind of have these properties of really uh, kind of supporting life very vigorously, right, probably to enable the survival of the next generation. And so they have to add those, right, usually from cows, from fetal cows, uh, to the cell culture to, to help keep it alive in the laboratory conditions. Hmm. And they have like a fine balance, you know, so it's just toxic enough that it'll uh, have the cytopathic effects, but not too toxic that it'll just all hmm. die and be 
you'll, and you'll have no nothing to see. What do scientists say when you argue, and I guess you've talked to them, that they've never found some kind of a virus called COVID in a patient and be able to see it, that it was there? Because um, you can't, right? There never was anything. Yeah, well, you know, it's been since the late 1930s that scientists <clears throat> have attempted to find so-called pathologic viruses in sick um, animals and mm. humans. Yeah. And they never have. Never have. <laughs> never, they just never have. Never ever. I mean, they never have. That's crazy. They, that's they're, crazy. They're just not there. So the whole so, germ thing has so been built like, on you know, make, make, make believe? It's just been built on make, make believe. Yeah, well, about 15 years into this exploration where there were no results, um, a scientist named John Enders mm. came up with a procedure. It actually was a procedure to manufacture vaccines huh. because supposedly, allegedly, it took the invisible virus that they never found from polio patients and, you know, cultured the virus, quote unquote, because they weren't actually culturing anything, but they added toxic dead tissue from polio patients to, you know, originally they thought they had to use spinal cord cells because polio infected the spinal cord mm -hmm. but they couldn't they couldn't get it to inf you know it's very difficult first of all to grow spinal cord cells in a culture very very difficult and then they couldn't uh get it to you know to reproduce or culture they thought so they decided to use fetal cells um from like a you know a developing fetus and that enabled them to grow the culture, maybe because those cells grew more vigorously in the culture, and but but express the cytopathic effects. So they said that they're manufacturing the vaccine, and he won a Nobel Prize for that. But after that, they he repeated the same procedure, and said that he was investigating how what the virus did. Right, and this somehow became adopted as the way to prove viruses exist subsequently and it didn't in the original paper where enders published this method he wrote actually that what he saw in the petri dish did not reflect what happened in a measles patient he was using the measles uh virus you know virus at that point um and he even had a control study where he had a tissue, a culture that didn't have anything from a measles patient, and it still showed the same cytopathic effects. Huh. So in other words, right, that first experiment actually invalidated the experiment as proof of the existence of viruses, because in the control sample, they also had the cytopathic effects, which was later stated as the proof of viruses. Now, you know, that control experiment, interestingly, was done um, two times subsequently. One, I found out by accident when I was investigating monkeypox, um, you know, when there was that um, kind of monkeypox mm -hmm. uh, yeah. propaganda campaign yeah. uh, that's now fizzled out. Yeah, it fizzled out. Um, yeah. So in the original paper, where they first claimed to identify the monkeypox virus, they tested animals that had had no pox, like that animals that weren't sick, and they still gave positive results for the virus. Huh. So right there, once again, they had that's essentially a positive control. So creating the so-called evidence of a virus has nothing to do with the virus being present.
It's simply a lab artifact from doing a poison cell culture experiment. And, but that's been given over and over as the evidence for the existence of a virus, like just ad nauseum, like just repeat, you know, repeat, repeat, and uh, it doesn't actually prove anything. Rinse and repeat. Uh, so when was Enders, Dr. Kaufman? What year? That paper <clears throat> on the measles uh, was published in 1954. And so this has been the, the basis for this whole vaccine germ thing moving forward. Exactly. Uh, up until the, the recent shift to genetic technology for vaccines, you know, so-called mm. vaccines, this has been the way that all viral vaccines have been manufactured hmm. since that time. Hmm. Um, do you think, after all these years, other than toxins, do you think that there's anything floating around in the air that we can breathe in that is harmful? Yes, well, there, there are, you know, air pollution. Yeah, that, right, right. right. But I'm talking about I living mean, organisms like a bacteria we, listen, or virus we, or something. We, we breathe, so bacteria, okay, which are real organisms, mm -hmm. um, you can clearly take them out of nature and observe them, and you can, of course, grow them in a laboratory, right. as I described earlier. So you can find them everywhere. They're ubiquitous in nature. Like if you swab just about any surface anywhere in your environment, in the outdoor environment, on your body, you're going to find bacteria. Right. So every breath that we take, we breathe in bacteria. Some kind of bacteria. Probably also fungus mm -hmm. and probably also various parasites and small insects. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we do breathe in nature all the time. We breathe in pollen, right, that's in the air, that's shed from plants during various times of the year. So there are plenty of natural uh, particles and organisms um, in the environment that are ubiquitous that we breathe in and enter. Uh, well, they don't enter the internals of our body, but we breathe them in. So one thing that people who, who haven't studied anatomy may not realize is that even though there, we have these openings right in our face right. and uh, in other parts of our body, they don't open to our internal body. So our entire uh, GI tract, right, from all the way from the esophagus through the small intestine, the large intestine, all the way out the anus, mm -hmm. is one long tube that's everything inside that tube is still outside of the body. It's outside of the and body until it goes in, until it goes in. Yes, huh? and so the, <laughs> all along the membranes of the inside of that tube right, are specific tissue structures that are meant to let certain things into the body and keep other things out. And, you know, at different parts of our tract, there are going to be different things that are let in and out, mm -hmm. right? And there's going to be different phases of digestion, and then there's going to be elimination. Like, for example, when it gets down to the colon, uh, water and uh, some electrolytes like sodium can cross freely back and forth the membrane, mm -hmm. but other things are sequestered, you know, stuck in the outside. And this is, of course, you know, our body has to be very careful about what it lets into the internal milieu, because if it lets schmutz in there, schmutz. that's not good, right? <laughs> Just like when you, when you have a laceration, right? If you get a substance in there that contaminates, like that's a direct communication to your internal body. 
right? When you cut through the skin. And so if you get dirt or glass um, or grease or things like that, right? It's, it's basically going to poison your tissues. And that's what can, you know, result in a so-called in wound infection, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? But the, but the air, the upper arrow digestive tract, right? Which includes the inside of the nose, the sinuses, the throat, the, uh, the trachea, the, and the, the bronchi, as well as the esophagus and the GI tract, all of that is outside your body. And there are, are barriers for anything that comes in that certain things enter in the body. Like when we breathe in, obviously oxygen diffuses readily, right? Uh, through the, the uh, membranes in the lung alveoli, but other things will be kept out. And, you know, that's why we sometimes cough because those things that are kept out, they might build up and then the body wants to expel them completely out, you know, not just leave them in the airway, but get them all the way out. Or if you're working with some fine powder material, for example, and you breathe some in, uh, then, you know, you might start coughing or sneezing and that's your body just trying to expel it because it doesn't want to absorb it and it doesn't even want it Mm -hmm. to, to be close. But let's talk about these things that you said, mentioned nature, everything from bacteria to bugs to stuff in nature that we breathe in and out. Um, these things, if they're unfriendly to the body or shouldn't be there, we generally can get them out through detoxification, right? Well, um, so we're they talking about two different things. Okay. Like the, these, so if we're talking about like um, organisms, yeah, because okay, I, I think you want to focus on that, right? Not oh. just like particles of pollen, but you know, oh. organisms. Okay, so I think. Uh, what gives us a, a really interesting way of thinking about this is if we just look at something else in nature a little bit closely. Okay. And this really follows the principle of correspondence, right? Kind of as above, so below, mm-hmm. as within, so without. That if we look on our observable macro scale of what happens in nature, we can learn about what happens on the micro scale inside of our body. And this, you know, plays out as a a truth in many, many ways. So there's some really fascinating research about plants that is done actually by an entomologist, but the agricultural industry had asked him to do research about pests, right, that um, ruin crops for farmers. Mm -hmm. And so what he did is an analysis where he looked at what's called the BRIC score, which is a a standard way of looking at the health of a plant. And it actually tells you how much sugar. Uh, photosynthesis, right, mm-hmm. that, they're, that they're making, how much sugar they're making mm-hmm. from carbon dioxide. Mm-hmm. So the ones that, the higher the number, the healthier. And so we have like these, you know, like perfect health plants, and then, you know, really good, but not perfect, and then, you know, mediocre, and then, you know, failing, and then on death's door. And depending on the level of health of the plant, it determines what pest eats the plant. So if the plant is really healthy, no pests eat it. Hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it creates its bounty. And you can even have two plants right next to each other, one healthy and one not, and the pests will go to the only the unhealthy plant. And depending on how unhealthy they are, determines which pest eats it. Hmm. Some pests only eat the moderately unhealthy. Some eat the severely unhealthy and, and in between. And so what we have here is similar uh, to what happens in the human body. When we look at 
um, a colony of bacteria that's at the site of disease in our body, like let's say for simplicity's sake, we're talking about what they call strep throat. So we can go and look in the throat, in the oropharynx, and we can uh, swab it and we can see bacteria. We might see predominantly uh, a streptomyces bacteria or streptococcus bacteria, sorry. Um, but uh, we can still see other things. Now, why are they there? They're presumed to be the cause of the illness, but but we can learn from this plant um, observation that actually they're only there because the health of that tissue is compromised. So what happens is that there's some insult that affects the, the tissue in the throat, and most likely it's something that you ate because what you eat in your mouth comes in direct contact with your throat. Mm -hmm. Could be something you breathe in as well, but you know, you might breathe through your nose. Why didn't it affect your nose? So most likely it's that, and that substance, whatever it is, or toxin, most likely, it irritates and causes damage to the tissue. Now that tissue is compromised. So nature sends its cleaner uppers. And that's what those pests are doing with those plants, because those plants have demonstrated that they're not viable. They're not going to produce a bounty which nature intends. And so the most efficient thing for nature to do is cut its losses, allow the pests to reduce that plant back into its basic nutrients, and then allow a new seed to be germinated, uh, perhaps even of a different variety that's more suited to the local conditions. And that will then have the chance of growing up and being healthy and providing the bounty of nature. And it's the same thing with human beings, that if we continue to poison ourselves chronically and build up so much poison in our body that it damages our tissues, at some point, nature will say that we're no longer viable. And it will, the parasites or the bacteria Mm -hmm. or the fungi, whatever is appropriate for the level of health that we have, will come and will eat up the yeah, damage. Right. So, but these guys you're talking about, the bacteria, the fungus, para, you know, and the, and the strepto guy you mentioned, Doc, to Kaufman, they're already in the body, all right? They're in, yes, they're in the body, and that's what they're doing. They're going to clean up things. They're going to clean things up. Yes, and, and not only are they in the body, but we can't survive without them. They're actually part of us. <laughs> they're part and, of us. And they, yeah, they're they're the majority of us by cell count numbers. Like they, they're ten to one to human cells, and we know you know we know that they do so many important roles. Like one role that's been uh, has a lot of evidence for is to help us know what's in the external environment because many of these bacteria are in the gut, which is right outside the body. It's just like them being on our skin. Hmm. And what they can do is they can sample whatever we swallow, which represents what's in our environment. And then they can send the information about what's in our environment to our brain. And this has been demonstrated in experiments, Hmm. right? So think about it. If we would sterilize our gut and get rid of all those bacteria, we wouldn't have that information about what's in our environment. So our brain wouldn't be able to direct our body's physiology to optimize to that environment. That's crazy. That's cool. So cool. And they're probably doing this electricity or light or who knows. It's pretty magical stuff. 
It, it really is. Yeah. I mean, the evidence they found actually was uh, expression of bacterial genes in the brain. <laughs> but I, I agree that probably the mechanism of communication is multifactorial. Sure. You know, we're, there's this whole um, way of looking, I kind of refer to it as the new biology, where we take the paradigms that have been disproven, like germ theory paradigm, mm -hmm. and start to build what is actually true about how nature works. Yeah, the new bio, which is what you guys talk about and what you do on your website and all the, the fun things you're doing. So would this be an argument then that perhaps what we natural guys have done for years tried to kill parasites? Because, you know, you got to kill parasites because they're trying to kill us. Could we have been on the wrong course there and we should just let things alone? Well, you know, I think that many people may think about that they're trying to kill parasites, but that's not really what's producing the healing results. And the reason is, you know, because the, our medical system, which is, you know, really based on what you could call the Rockefeller right. system, right. Um, its whole paradigm is a warfare mentality right, that there are these invading germs or other genetic anomalies that we have no control over and they just invade us and cause this illness and we have to fight, right? We have right. antibiotics, right? That's like anti-life, it's, it, it's like an anti-personnel, you know, mind, <laughs> or, right? It's, right? It's the same military nomenclature same and that's what it, it's intended to kill those organisms that are trying to clean up your your dead tissue, right? And um, and it and it does that and kills you know more than that. Yeah. So when we when we're taught parasites are the same as the bacteria, they're same also thing. coming. Same thing. Yeah, they're just coming to you know it's like the level of health. It's a certain brick score, and that brick score attracts the parasites rather than the fungi oh. or rather than the yeast or the bacteria. And, you know, also it may be that certain types of toxins attract parasites, like everyone that I've worked with who has had heavy metal toxicity, mm -hmm. like from vaccines, mm -hmm. has had lots of worms come out when they do a cleansing. Really? So, yes. Oh, yes. So what's going on when people are using these remedies that they say are killing worms is they're not really killing worms. Like I'll tell you, drugs like ivermectin kill worms because they're basically poison. But that's not nature's strategy, it's not to kill. Nature's strategy is to improve, right? And remember, the only parasites are there because the, the body is unhealthy. So nature would try to restore the health of the body and then the parasites just go on their way because they're no longer needed. And so when you do this type of cleansing, what you find is that the, the worms come out in the stool, but they're not chopped in little pieces. They don't like explode and release their deadly, you know, contents in your body like they do with some of the toxic drugs like ivermectin, where if you look now, it doesn't have a very high rate of side effects. But if you look at what the side effects are reported, they're clearly cleansing reactions because probably what they had is a large parasite burden at the site of you know the disease like yeah, river blindness right, right um and then the they all those parasites died and started decomposing in the body before they could be 
sent out of the body. And then the decomposing rotting flesh, right? That, that creates toxins um, that can cause that side effect. And so you don't really get that kind of uh, issue when you do a natural cleansing. So if you're using like various herbs, like for exa example, black cumin seed oil, mm -hmm. right? Which is one traditional herb that's often used for parasites, or if you're using essential oils, or if you're using turpentine, or if you're using chlorine dioxide, all these things really what they're doing is they're helping eliminate uh, and break down toxins which are damaging the body and keeping the parasites around. And then once those things, yeah. your body starts to eliminate them, then the parasites start coming out as well. Oh, so they're not killing anything. That's what Dr. Den Jennifer Daniels argues about turpentine. She's, yes, she exactly. said that a million times on the show. They're not killing anything. They're just doing what again? Yeah, they're, it, well, with turpentine, I call it a healing solvent because wow. it essentially, we our body gets gummed up with these, toxins that are not soluble in water. Remember, our body is water-based. So the it's just like in your drain pipe that's clogged, there's this greasy sludge right. that forms, right, from all that organic material and all of the millions of foreign chemicals we're exposed to. So turpentine just simply dissolves that stuff away. But that that greasy sludge is like the substrate that the that attracts the parasites. Like they're trying to come and clean that up, and then they can't. And they end up just taking up residence, like waiting around until they can finish their job. Oh, so that's how they could build up and people say, well, I'm really loaded or whatever. Yes. Wow. Yeah, that's really explains the more, it. Yeah. The yeah. more of this toxic sludge that you have throughout your body, right, It's then it supports more parasites to live on it. And I've, I've hmm. definitely had some clients who were, you know, teeming. Uh, you know, with parasites. One who, who actually came to me for the first time and had been doing cleansing from, you know, other people's information for a whole year yeah. and had been passing worms in the toilet for an entire year. Wow. Is there any evidence, though, if you wouldn't maybe try to intervene, that these guys could get the best of you and send you to heaven? I mean... <laughs> well, it's it's not those guys per se, although they do influence things and i can explain that okay. uh, as well but it's it's the basically the degree of toxicity if if you okay. don't do something about that and keep adding to it you then your your body will become no longer viable at some point and yes the parasites will end up consuming a lot of your body as it dies but they won't be the cause of your they won't be death. the cause yeah yeah exactly again it's the old idea of just because something is found at the scene of the crime doesn't mean that they were the perpetrators. The, the perfect metaphor yes. for that is cholesterol, right? Remember that one. <laughs> well, there's cholesterol yes, there. Right. It had to be, you know, cause a heart attack, right? Right, and you know, that's there's a lot of um, errors in medical science about what cause and effect and covariate and independent variable are. Yeah. So. Cholesterol is a great example because, you know, now we know through Freedom of Information Act that it was really a conspiracy between the medical industrial complex and the food industry yeah. uh, based on Ansel Keys' research to declare, you know, cholesterol and saturated fat enemy number one. But we have clear large um, population studies that show that the higher cholesterol, the longer the survival. Yeah. yeah. And But one of the things that really supported this 
was the finding of oxidized cholesterol plaques in people with diseased arteries, right? What we call, um, you know, atherosclerosis. atherosclerosis and heart disease or cardiovascular disease, right? You can find these plaques that they're on, you know, lesions um, that harden the arteries and block things and sometimes activate the blood clotting system Mm -hmm. and, you know, are involved in heart attacks. And they look and they find cholesterol there that's oxidized, as I said, and they say it must be the cause, just Mm -hmm. like they looked under a microscope at, you know, someone's abscess and saw bacteria and said it must be the cause. But it's also, it's actually a result. So the blood vessel is poisoned um, and dehydration plays into that by concentrating the poisons in the blood and it damages the blood, the wall of the blood vessel. And then it has, you know, these toxins are reactive oxygen species. So they create this um, cascade of oxidizing reactions. They call it a free radical chain reaction. And cholesterol is the transporter of fats and some proteins around the body. So there's always in the blood. And what happens is it's passing by, it gets oxidized, and then it, you know, it gets all sticky and gross and stays in that plaque. And they're blaming it to be the cause, the cause. when it's, it's actually the, it's the victim. Could, could, could this be the connection that people have tried to make, Dr. Kaufman, with parasites and cancer? Maybe those these guys are in there trying to eat up yes, cancer I, cells. I believe that that's exactly what's going on. Wow. And, and you know that um, we ivermectin and uh, hmm. you know albendazole, they don't cure cancer. But we know that um, you know, aggressive detox is what has resulted in many cl- cancer cures, you know, with protocols like, like the Gerson protocol, but Things others like as yeah. well. That, you know, nothing, nothing is 100% successful, but everything pretty much that is successful has to do with cleansing, so, not with killing parasites. So this ivermectin thing, before we do a break, this ivermectin thing is fascinating because I hear you arguing that possibly people felt better when taking ivermectin when they thought they had COVID, and maybe they just stopped the healing process, so they felt better, and they think, yes. that, and so then ivermectin became like the go-to thing, but maybe it was just not the right idea, the best idea. Well, uh, you know, in my opinion, a pharmaceutical is never the best <laughs> idea. Right. Um, but but also, I've I've Fair looked enough. at the totality yeah. of all the clinical studies. Have you for? And I, you know, you can't say they're for COVID. You can say they're for, um, you know, the flu, or you could say they're for atypical pneumonia. And it, mostly in those studies, they did have some degree of pneumonia. Mm-hmm. But it, I reviewed every single study, and I'll tell you that in totality, there's no evidence that it's effective. Uh, effective for anything? Effective to to you know decrease recovery times to decrease mortality or complication rates all none of the outcomes they looked at showed a any definitive benefit uh, so why I mean, but it, what is it even out there for it's supposed to be killing parasites right like in animals well, and stuff it's a it's a it's an alternative to the mainstream recommendations so it's like a lot of doctors realized a little bit of the truth about the pandemic like mm-hmm. they realized that the measures the government was taking were not appropriate mm-hmm. 
right? Like that they, they knew that masks don't work for preventing disease transmission, you know, which doesn't actually exist. <laughs> um, they, they knew there's no reason to lock and quarantine people who aren't sick because you only quarantine people who are sick. So they realized some of these basic contradictions, but they didn't really question the nature of a new illness, which is really uh, kind of disappointing because, you know, it, it, it has the same exact symptoms and no unique findings compared to the flu. So, um, you know, what, why would you call it something different? But uh, so they bought into that part of it. And then they said, well, since there's a new virus, we need to think fast about how, how can we treat it without locking down and, you know, taking some rushed vaccine technology, you know, and probably some of those doctors were already wise to the fact that vaccines are not very good for you. And so they came up. Now, I don't know where they got the idea for ivermectin because it has absolutely nothing to do with viruses, right? It was um, heralded as a miracle cure for river blindness, which is a, you know, a quote unquote parasite disease of the developing world. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, it doesn't occur unless you have severe malnutrition. So once again, it's, you know, it's really not the worm them itself. But this drug did help a lot of people recover uh, from that condition to some degree. So it was kind of heralded as a miracle drug. But why would someone get the idea to use it for the flu? That, that really evades me. And I wonder if there was, you know, someone did it for some reason. And it wasn't the drug company for profit because I believe it's off patent. So it's not, you know, making anyone a lot of money. Uh, same thing with hydroxychloroquine, you know, that's also a parasite drug used for, you know, the so-called malaria parasite, mm -hmm. which also doesn't cause malaria, but nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless, um, you know, uh, that's what these, you know, doctors thought was good. Yeah. But if you, if you have a disease that is occurs every year and is self-limiting by nature, like only people who have serious chronic illness, you know, like end-stage cancer, severe Alzheimer's, end-stage COPD, they're the only ones who die from the flu. And it's, they're not dying from the flu, they're dying from their other illness, it's just the flu is the, the signal or the, it's the last step of the death, yeah. just like pneumonia is. And that's why the CDC always grouped influenza and pneumonia together, because it's essentially the last step from the in the transition from life to death when it when it occurs in death in people who are otherwise not sick it's a self-limited illness there's no reason to do anything about about it right uh, other than drink extra water if you're having fevers and diarrhea mm -hmm. you should probably fast um, and then you'll recover just fine there's no no reason to do anything about it okay. but then you don't need a doctor <laughs> Yeah, I know. And so <laughs> it's not good. It's not good for doctors, but that's the truth. You know, there's no reason to take any drug whatsoever um, to address it when it's self-limiting. It's just part of your body's normal uh, cycle. Yeah. When you were in medical school, did you ever think you'd be saying this kind of stuff? <laughs> no, hell no, of course not. I was. Listen, I I thought that I was, you know, no, learning. Thing that would be extremely valuable for humanity mm -hmm. and it it was a a process of realizing that it 
it, it was really the opposite was true. Yeah. Especially in my field of psychiatry, which is largely about um, social control of undesirable segments of the population. Oh, good. Um, I, a couple of emails about this whole lab leak thing. And so let's get into that in a second, okay? I'm going to do a quick break and promote a product. couple, we'll be right back. Stay right there with Dr. Andrew Kaufman. Pretty cool stuff, huh? Uh, so now isn't this thing working again? I don't understand. It did this this morning. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. It did this this morning, and... Um, I might not be able to change anything. Um, something's not right. Hold on a second. Yeah, we still got a little. Can I, can I step away for a sec? You can step away all you want, Doc. Go ahead. All right, I'll be right back. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, oh, now it's working. I don't understand. Okay. Yeah, there's something still wrong, but. Uh, Let's do this. It did this this morning. I apologize. So this is cool. We came across um, a, a, a resistance training device called X3. And we are promoting it on our website. And you'll see the, the ad there. And this X3 was created by a fellow by the name of Dr. John Jaquish. And Dr. Jaquish is a really smart cookie. And he wrote a book called, as you see, Weightlifting is a Waste of Time. Weightlifting is a Waste of Time. And um, he's proven, and other people know this, that when you, when you lift a weight and you go up so high, let me see if I can... Get on the screen here. I can't do it. You know, I don't know why it's doing this. Making me crazy. And I'm already crazy. I don't know. Let me see if this will work. Well, it works this way. So when you lift a weight and you do this and then you hold it and then you, you take the pressure off the muscle and then you go down like this, uh, takes the pressure off the muscle, this is why how we hurt the joints. But say you're doing an overhead press like this and you never take the pressure off the muscle. So you're just up here and you still got pressure with these bands. They're, 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 um, they're bands, real strong. And then you go down here and you still have pressure on the muscle, right? You haven't taken it off and then you go back up, right? And it's called um, variable resistance. And you can build muscle faster this way without ever being sore, ever, and not hurting yourself if you do it right. Can't guarantee that if you go out to lunch. 15 minutes a day with this X3 device. The best thing I ever did, I am building muscle. I've got more muscle today at, at 76 Christmases under my belt than I've ever had. Go figure that. Uh, so, you know, you could be 100 and still grow muscles. It doesn't matter, the age thing, you know. So it's on our website. Click on it, X3, and it's on sale right now. I paid um, 549 for mine. Six weeks ago. 
um, seven weeks ago. And it's now on sale for $3.99. $3.99. Boom. And you can you can finance that if you don't have $3.99. I didn't have $5.49. I did a, a six-month deal or I don't know how many months and pay some interest. What do you care? I just wanted it. Um, so I got it. It's pay so much a month. And and they have a financial a finance thing right there through the X3. They'll give you a, a prompt if you want to do it. So that's cool. You're going to love this thing. Uh, I guarantee you, man, woman, would have, doesn't matter how many revolutions you have, doesn't matter anything. Um, got nothing to do with it. Um, um, and you eat the right foods and you're going to grow muscle and you're just going to get stronger. And you gals, you can do it without you know getting muscle to make you look like a boy. We don't want that. So check it out. It's pretty amazing. It is called X3. It's on our website on oneradionetwork.com. And uh, again, let me see if I can do this. And I don't know why it's doing that. That's not good. Well, so that's kind of working. And you don't need a promo code. You don't need anything like that. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Dr. Kaufman mentioned black cumin seed oil. And if you're going to get some, <clears throat> we have a... I can't turn off your mic, Doc, so maybe you won't say anything for a minute. <laughs> yeah, my system is kind of screwed up. I know you can hear me, but if you don't say anything, uh, for some reason this thing is not working. Anyway, Dr. Kaufman mentioned black cumin seed oil. We have a, a, a gentleman I, that we've been working with, Andreas Seed Oils. He's a um, former Olympian uh, uh, German and uh, he has created some oils that are just a bomb. There's very low friction, extremely low friction, practically no heat. They've done tests, and there's so little oxidation. They're probably the most pristine oils on the planet, and he's got coriander seed. He's got black cumin seed, pumpkin seed. You know, generally, seed oils are just, you know, they're not good, but when you talk about seed oils, you're talking about, you know, stuff at the store. Um... He's got, uh, what else, a coriander, as I said, milk thistle, and black cumin seed. So these are pretty cool and very powerful. These are the only oils that we recommend other than extra virgin olive oil um, is uh, uh, Andreas Seed Oils on our website. He has 35% right now on everything in the, in the bank, 35% um, with Andreas Seed Oils on oneradionetwork.com. Now, let me see if I can make this work get back with Dr. Kaufman. I just hate it when these things get... Now I lost this thing. That's okay. Let me see. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, it's going to work. Wow, it's going to work. We're back with with Dr. Andrew, Andrew Kaufman. You know, you mentioned that black cumin seed. Yeah, you go on, you all go on the internet and they're, they're telling the truth here. Uh, that boy, it's pretty cool for a lot of different stuff, isn't it? Black cumin seed oil. Yeah, it's uh, been used in uh, Ayurvedic medicine for quite a long time. Yeah, what kind of things do they do with it? Well, I think it's really mostly for you know chronic toxicity type issues that uh, may involve uh, parasites. So you know various um, skin cancers and perhaps other um, types of 
uh, cancer disease. Um, it's used, I believe, by uh, Carrie Rivera uh, as yeah. part of her um, protocol for autism. For the autistic kids. So, but again, it's yes. not it's not killing parasites. It's doing something with the body so the parasites can party down and clean things up. Yeah. Correct? So you know, no nobody has done the appropriate studies to like fully elucidate exactly how these substances work. Hmm. But my hypothesis is that it's actually the solvent properties because you know all of these effective substances essentially are oils. Solvent. Aside from chlorine dioxide, which works in a, a different way in my mm-hmm. opinion but mm-hmm. but they're all they're all oils like castor oil uh dmso uh turpentine black cumin seed oil the essential oils all, right like yeah. uh, frankincense and etc they're all oils they all dissolve oily substances and in my opinion you know that's why uh they're so effective that they're actually dissolving these um lipid soluble or fat soluble toxins that are stuck in the body gumming things up mm-hmm. and that, that's that's where the parasites tend to um, associate and as a psychiatrist which you are i like talking to psychiatrists because i'm crazy um there's just no there's no way we really know how much worry and angst uncertainty fear has on the body we know it does but you you add that in there dr kaufman then you're talking about you could really damage up tissues pretty easily. Right. Well, there's a reason why fear is used as a mass tool of manipulation. Right. Because not only does it greatly give you the ability to influence people's behavior and degree of um, submission, but also it creates an unhealthy physiology, right? A kind of living, um, always worried about something dangerous coming into play right it puts you in this kind of uh survival mode a fight or flight type mode mm-hmm. uh, or there's you know if you look at uh vague polyvagal theory there may be other different responses but essentially you know when people talk about like the stress response and having high cortisol levels that's the kind of change in physiology that occurs um, in your body, and it doesn't allow the body to to function optimally or to do any maintenance or repair functions. Mm-hmm. It's always like immediate survival threat, mm-hmm. and that that can precipitate illness if it's in a if it's you know a state that lasts beyond. I mean, we're in nature; we're only supposed to have that state for brief interludes. You know, like if we encounter a a, a bear in the woods, for example, you yeah. know, we should be able. Uh, have that response to survive that situation and then once we're out of danger we settle back down into you know a calm space but when people are on edge and have that are in that fear state for a prolonged time like was brought about at the early part of the pandemic that of course has lots of consequences and not just that it causes direct physical damage which it does but it also um, increases a lot of self-destructive behaviors. Like we saw, for example, a big increase in addictive behaviors and overdoses uh-huh. that occurred. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, because anything to make the fear less. Right. I've been doing quite a bit of deep work for several years, Dr. Kaufman, in contemplation, meditation, and out-of-body stuff. And, and 
I keep coming down to the, it seems like to me like tension. Tension is a really big deal that the body just gets, I don't know how to explain it, on all levels, just gets tense and can just stop energy and stop and keep sludgy things. Does that make sense? It's just like yes. stomach everywhere and the whole body, whew, tension. And, you know, if we think there's something out there that can get us, what is that doing to us, right? What does that do to us? My God. Absolutely. And, and it, you know, it's <laughs> not just that um, occasional message of there's something out there to get us, but most people are living uh, a, a very tenuous balance in their life. Yes, um, and I'm speaking primarily financially. Right. And right now, you know, many people are tipping over the edge into poverty and headed towards uh, bankruptcy because of this, right? Yeah. That they're essentially kept as you know, debt slaves to keep working at their job to make sure they make the house payment and the insurance payment and the car payment. And they're so close to the line, like the amount of money that is coming in is like almost the exact amount of money that to cover all their debt obligations. And if anything, you know, acts to put that out of balance, but just right and having the stress of living that way all the time is one of the main factors that keeps people constantly on edge and then when the moment they have free time they just want to escape right they because they don't have a sense of meaning and purpose that they want to learn and study and uh be inspired right. uh, be in their short uh you know proportion of free time instead they want to escape they want to numb right and that's why we have things like sports and entertainment and alcohol uh, <laughs> right and yeah. all those things yeah, yeah of course yeah, the money thing is huge, and as you know, there's big stuff going on around the globe right now, and we're probably really in for it. Here's one for you. Um, thank you for being on, Dr. Coffin. I don't have a doctorate or know much medical things. The news has been out for a few years that isolate, oh, that they've isolated the COVID. They also told us they can show the genetic makeup of the virus. So I know kind of from... Tawan and yourself, this is not true. What can I say to my friends as they are convinced that they've heard on TV and true? I just don't know how to explain it to them. Hmm. Well, um, you know, of course, you could uh, refer them to some of uh, my introductory videos on the topic. Like, for example, um, the one that I did in Acapulco last year, which I believe is published on my Odyssey and BitChute channels, okay. uh, is a, a kind of basic approach. Like I go through it quite quickly. But the truth is that, yes, you can easily find a paper where it says that this fake virus has been isolated, but it's not what the word isolate really means. Like they came up with a special definition so they could say that. And if you understand the experiment that they did. And that's really what's required is that you have to actually go to the primary research experiment and understand what they did, that they didn't actually find a virus from nature and get it by itself. And that's, that's what people, when they hear the virus was isolated, that's what they think actually happened. But that was not only not achieved, it actually wasn't even attempted because they already knew in advance that they wouldn't be able to find it uh, if they looked for it. So they did hmm. that other experiment, like I said, where they just said that an artifact of a 
lab tissue culture is proof of the virus, but that is only make-believe. That's not reality. Now, what she said, or what this um, individual said about the genetics is basically they just created a computer simulation of a theoretical genetic sequence of a theoretical organism. So that's not exactly real <laughs> life either. Right. Um, so, you know, for example, they, they put in, um, they took from just unpurified lung fluid that they assumed had a virus in it. They took all of the RNA that was in that, you know, sputum, uh, that, that mucus from the body, which happened to be over 56 million little tiny pieces. And a com they didn't know where any of those 56 million pieces were from. Like, were they, are they part of the human that they took it from? Are they from one of the many species of bacteria that could have been there? Are they from the many species of fungus? Are they from the many species of parasites and amoeba? Were they just uh, naked RNA that was floating in the air that they breathed in right before they took the sample? Like, there's no, it's not known for any, any single one of all 56 million pieces what the origin or provenance of those pieces were. But they just put them all into not one, but two different computer programs, both to try to arrange them into one long piece. And they both spit out different solutions and the solutions were over a million in total. And they just picked the longest one out of all those computer simulated solutions and said, that's the virus genome. Not knowing where any single piece that made up that long sequence came from. Fascinating. And having, having no proof that there was even a virus in the human being, the single, the one single human being that they took this from. So they did this experiment where they simulated in a computer a theoretical genome from one individual. And then from that, they essentially made a template that anybody around the world can repeat this experiment and is guaranteed to get results that are closely match this one. And that's been done now, I think the last I heard was 12 million times. So, in other words, a huge waste of resources because when you repeat an invalid experiment, of course, you're not going to get anything valid in your results. And they can't even duplicate the experiment exactly. And this is where they came up with uh, the idea of variance because they repeat the experiment using the cheating template and they still don't get the same results. So they say, oh, it's a, it's a mutated version. <laughs> Wow. And, uh, wow. So when you all use the term pandemic, you're not just being facetious kind of a thing. I mean, no, this thing was this term. thing was planned out, Doc, right? They 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 got really good at it. They planned this whole thing out. Wow. Well, from from the scientific point of view, it's quite easy. Um, if you gave me a laboratory right now, I could uh, find me anybody who is sick in any way. Um, within a couple of weeks, I can demonstrate a virus. You know, the way they do it. Yeah. Using, even if it's uh, from an illness that's known to have nothing to do with viruses. Right. You know, even in, um, in the medical journals, they published uh, papers that showed tissue that was totally unrelated 
uh, showed the same exact particles. Like there was one um, that was uh, published a, a couple of summers ago from Kidney 360 that showed when they um, did kidney biopsies like five, 10 years ago before mm. COVID even, even mm. was a thing, they showed the same exact um, particles with, with the corona and everything in the kidney biopsies. And those kidney patients had nothing to do with a viral illness. They had kidney disease, right? So these are, these are simply just artifacts that you can find any time that there's essentially cells that are, that are undergoing damage. So somewhere along the line, President Trump started talking about the China virus, right? And this was the beginning of this whole idea that somebody in China released something in the air in a lab and people start catching it and getting sick. So my question to you, sir, Dr. Kaufman, is it possible to create something in a lab that acts like the alleged viruses that don't exist that you can put into the air people would take in and I could share it with my neighbor? Is that even possible? Well, you know, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not the creator. I can't say what is and what <laughs> okay. is not possible, but I can say that there's absolutely zero evidence. Zero and evidence. My, my opinion is, is this was essentially a story created um, to make sure that people continue believing in dangerous imaginary viruses. Because what is really threatening to the establishment is the realization that germs don't cause disease, because then they have no <laughs> ability to coerce anyone to do anything. To do anything. They can't, they can't make you lock down. They can't make you wear a mask. They can't make you take a vaccine if those aren't even the cause of illness. So that's the most threatening position. And it turns out that that's actually the true position. And these other things are a way to capture individuals who are realizing or speaking out against the main narrative and provide them with another narrative that will keep them in a, a vulnerable state that they could be further manipulated in the future. So, because if, you know, even though this pandemic may have been exaggerated mm -hmm. or mishandled, well, what if they create another one, but they do a better job of faking it? then you're going to believe it, and then you're going to go roll up your sleeve, and then you might again. end up dead. So even if the heavens would break forth with a miracle, and Dr. Andrew Kaufman ends up on NBC and CNBC and CNN and tells a story about the virus thing doesn't exist, but they wouldn't let you talk about the lab, which they could edit out, then they could still keep going because they would say, well, yeah, well, he was right, but, you know, we got this lab thing, and this, we got it, you know, this, this is what's going on. So they, 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 they're, they're, this is the way they can cover themselves, right, with the lab thing. Listen, the individuals who own and control the media, and you know, there's very few individuals. You, it's well published. You can look at the organizational structure of sure. the ownership. And they, they send out the same messages, like no matter what platform. So they, they can say anything they want they're in complete control and so if whatever narrative that they want to say there doesn't need to be a basis in truth and there are people who are owned essentially like like tony fauci right sure. he, it's not his idea to do all this stuff but he's told what message to give and you know sometimes he he made a couple of mistakes and had to contradict himself because he said something he wasn't authorized to Right. And so they they control the messaging. And that's why they would never have someone like me no. um, if they ever mention me. And, and they don't very often. It's only in the context of a fact check 
or an ad hominem, you know, uh, snuff piece. Like there's one on McGill University's website about me, uh, for example. Yeah. And so it's only to make sure people don't don't listen to me. That's the only time I'm acknowledged in any way. Yeah. And and that's for a reason because they don't want this truth to um, make it out there um, to all the. You know, the, they're threatened by the so-called anti-vaxxers because there are many, many people now who realize the, the danger of vaccines. And if all of those individuals knew the truth about germ theory, it would, it would really be powerful. And that's what the central authorities are, are afraid of. Yeah. Boy, I should love to get you guys all together with Bobby Kennedy and and who's the other guy? Real popular show. His partner, what's his name? Um, Del Big Tree. And if you could encourage them to understand their germ theory, that would really be helpful. But they're anti-vaxxers, but they're still germ theory people. God love them. You know, it's like. Believe me, there has been no lack of effort uh, to trying try. to have that communication. But you know, I can't speak about their motivations, but they're simply not interested in telling this truth. Just not interested. And they, they had, they've had plenty of opportunities. They understand it. Um, I've, had, I've had private communication with some of them, not with everyone. Tom, Dr. Cowan has. And um, they're simply not interested in talking about this at all. Wow. I guess humans sometimes... Not that they're bad people, they just don't want to admit that they were wrong or something. Maybe it's like a religion or something, you know? Maybe that's it. I don't know. Well, you know, it, it's hard to speculate about someone's sure. uh, motives. Um, and, I, you know, maybe you should interview them and ask them about it. Well, um, I, I know that yeah, uh, Derek Rose did ask uh, Del Bigtree what did he um, about yeah. it not too long ago. Well, he basically was saying that he couldn't walk into a politician's office and talk oh, to them about viruses yeah. not existing. But, but that's simply, first of all, that's not true because I actually went into a politician's office, a state legislator in New York, and this was early on and I was dragged in there because I don't actually believe that politicians have any authority to do anything and or that any of them are beyond corruption good for you <laughs> uh, but, but nonetheless i went to this meeting and um we told this state legislator flat out that viruses don't aren't actually in existence that cause disease and you know what his response was what i'm not surprised at all he said that yes he didn't kick us out of the room he didn't say we were crazy he said that, that he wasn't surprised um, because he was a politician. He knows about all the BS that goes on in politics um, and cover-ups and lies. So, of course, he wouldn't be surprised. And, you know, now, did he do anything about it? Of, no, of course not, because he's a politician and he's playing the politics game. But it didn't, you know, it didn't affect any ability to work with him uh, exposing this truth. And it wouldn't. You know, the, the simple fact is is that the only thing worth talking about is the truth. Yeah. I am never going to... Now, I might avoid talking about certain topics because I'm not well-studied or an expert, and I might say that I don't know about certain things. Um, but, you know, I, I am never going to talk about anything that's untrue, if I know that it's untrue. I might 
believe something to be true and then later learn that learn it wasn't. Not, but that's fine. That, that's ha- that's happened to me um, in a, you know in a huge way in my life. Obviously, sure. that's how I got to where I'm at. Right. Right. But I'm never going to talk about something knowing that it's untrue because I owe it to the people out there to tell the truth. And that, that's, that's really the service that I provide. Yeah. I, I take, you know, subjects that are difficult for an average man or woman to understand because they don't have the linguistic training of this language of science. And then I tell them the truth of it. I say, this experiment was done and here's what it shows. And that it's different from the published conclusions. Hmm. You I, know? I hear you and I really appreciate for you and I love you for that because that's where the action is. If we don't try to figure out what the truth is, well, then what are we doing here? You know, what? How can you, how can you make what any What are we decision? doing here? Yeah, what are we doing here, right? What are we doing here? I've got really beat up on, on no social media and even the show off the germ theory and the parasites and people think I'm crazy. And we've lost listeners because of it, even on my end. I can imagine what you yeah. guys, but you, you know, you, what are, what well, are you going to do? You've lost listeners, but I've get, I bet you've gained listeners oh, yeah, also. Oh, yeah, we have. Yeah, we have. Okay, so before we go, I was looking at your website this morning. By the way, when I pulled up Andrew Kaufman's website and Google, they had all kinds of things like Andrew what. Andrew Kaufman quack, Andrew, uh, you know, arguments against Andrew Kaufman. <laughs> it's pretty cool, right? They just go after you, don't you guys? It's the way it works. Well, you know, there, there may be an inverse relationship between the amount of internet uh, slander and the veracity of the, uh, of the individual. Sure. Right? So, like, because the more, the more you're banned, uh, it must mean that your something, right? message is threatening. Yeah. So do you any do do any do you do anything at all and on YouTube now or is it all on Odyssey BitChute? Well, I I with uh, very uh, delicate um, fingers, I occasionally put something on YouTube, and uh, <laughs> yeah, be careful. Though. And it doesn't always work out well because um, you know recently they went back and so they have been removing various videos of mine, uh-huh. mostly about about germ theory, but recently I posted something that I thought was neutral and they went back and removed um, a natural healing video that I had done very, very early on in my short YouTube existence in, uh, in the fall of 2019. So why did they go back and remove that? I I'm really miffed because it was, it was a kind of a garden variety, um, talk on detoxification and you can find tons of detoxification videos on YouTube that are not censored. So, you know, why did they go back um, and take this one out? Yeah. It was, uh, so I have to tread very lightly yeah. on YouTube, which is really unfortunate because, you know, that's the place where people, that's still where the go. people are. Yeah, I know. Same and, way. Um, yeah. but I just, you know, if I, do one wrong move they'll just take down my whole channel and there's a lot of archived material on there that still gets viewed and is still in you know my opinion uh, a valuable contribution so i don't want to risk that but yeah. but i post you know everything on rumble, rumble? shoot and odyssey cool all three uh, platforms so whichever one you prefer uh you know i i like odyssey the best because yeah. of its decentralized format um but 
you know, BitChute is the most popular out of those three. And But I don't care where you find my material. And it. also, please, if you have a YouTube channel, you know, uh, mirror it. Take yeah, it off Odyssey. It you can easily you can download anything off Odyssey with one button, and just mirror it on YouTube so it gets the exposure there. Because I can't, <laughs> but you can. You're not on their radar if you have uh, a small little channel. And um, oh, so you know, maybe it, they don't run this AI stuff, Doc, uh, everywhere. They just do it on the usual suspects like you and I and Dr. Colin. Well, I mean, I, I think there's hmm. probably a triage system. Yeah. That once you get uh, identified, you know, as a, um, uh, a whatever, a miscreant, a, a, a rebel, <laughs> a um, a, you know, a, a misinformation yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, perpetrator, yeah. then they probably, you know, target you specifically with more scrutiny because they expect that you'll do it again. Yeah. You know, I mean, who knows how the AI that they employ for this really works and what level of you know, human intervention occurs, but I do know that there's no, there's no appealing anything. Like I, I, um, my uh, staff accidentally posted a, a video to YouTube, but left it unlisted. So no one could watch it. Right. But within hours, they issued me a strike for posting it, even though no one could even watch it. And I tried to send them a message saying, hey, it was there by mistake. It was unlisted. Um, we removed it, you know, as soon as we could. Can you please reconsider? But, you know, there was no response. Yeah. Like that, there's, they're unable to, they have no adjudicative uh, procedure no. for it. Just, just flat out censorship. Yeah, they dumped our whole channel maybe a year ago, two years, and, and so we lost a lot of stuff too, which I didn't back up but you know what are you going to do so before we go let's talk about all the cool stuff you're doing on your website dr kaufman and uh, dr andrew kaufman md.com oh, no, andrew kaufman md.com it's dr no, andrew no doctor there's nope. not oh no. man i screwed up on that thing don't do that oh i thought it was a D. okay just andrew kaufman md.com i'll change it so you're doing right. things with detox with water with sound cool stuff really fun stuff right this is where you're going next year really to help people to get well absolutely i mean my really aim is to provide the educational infrastructure for you know a major shift in medicine and health you know to one that people actually get healthy <laughs> what a concept yeah what a, what a concept i know and it, it, but it involves also like a different perspective that you, the responsibility is on you to improve your own health, not relying on me or some white coated priest or anybody else. It's <laughs> got to, you know, so what I do is I, I teach people um, how to recognize what is affecting them, their health, and then how to um, undergo various procedures to improve and restore their health and the my alchemical detox course is really the um most comprehensive and signature um product and service that i offer because it is a comprehensive course that if you go through all of the modules and the hmm. planning documents and the supplemental materials by the end, you'll be able to custom design your own healing protocol for virtually any health. Wow. Problem. I see that on your you'll website. Understand. It looks great. 
It's called the Alchemical Detox Course. So this is a, a course that's all been recorded and everything, and people can purchase this now and then do the thing on their own. Is that how that works? Yes, that's okay. correct. But we also have um, webinars that we are giving periodically where uh, people who are students of the course can interact oh. with me in a Q&A format. And then cool. you also get participation in a very special um, Telegram group, which is only for students of the course. And cool. I also answer questions on a daily basis there. So you do get the personal interaction as well as the you know archived digital media and uh, educational materials, which is fun because people have questions, right? They have a lot of questions, don't they? A lot of questions. Absolutely, absolutely. Questions. So just just broad strokes, uh, without going into detail, some of the things that you do. Do you do you do coffee enemas and sweating or stuff like that? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And, and in fact, uh, in the course, I have a whole module on the liver, hmm. and I talk. I talk a lot about coffee enemas and how they actually in the medical science literature they were there's like a trick to try to make them look bad <laughs> it's it's pretty ridiculous because what they they say they're dangerous because they have like a case of some uh, crazy drug addict who forgot to let the coffee cool off and burn their hiney and then because of that they say coffee enemas are unsafe it's hilarious. <laughs> but well, open heart surgery, that's yeah. not dangerous. Well, if they were know? unsafe, I'd be dead by now, Doc. I tell you what. You know, I got to tell you, this is so cool. I think you'll enjoy this. You know the little spots, um, liver spots, they call them? These little spots that you can get on, you know. Yes. I, I can remember, and I, show, I have a video, where I used to have 14 of them about two years ago, 14 little spots. I've got barely, I can hardly even see them, two now. Isn't that cool how Mr. Liver could get that well in two years? Yeah, well, you know, there is a very um, hmm. important relationship between the liver and the skin. Because, you know, the liver, which it does many things, okay? But one of the functions that I talk about a lot is its detoxification function. Yeah. And it has all of these, uh, basically like a chemical factory. And it takes toxins and metabolic waste products in your body that are not water soluble and it does a bunch of chemical reactions on them to make them more water soluble because then the body can excrete them huh. like through the kidney or through the or through the um Easy. the bile yeah. into the intestines so what happens is that that system of enzymes and they're called phase one and two enzymes they also are duplicated in the skin but nowhere else in the body. Hmm. So when if the liver gets backed up, which is a, a common thing that happens as people have accumulate toxins over their life, especially things like pharmaceuticals, processed um, grains, and alcohol, those are the most insulting things to the liver. Then the liver gets gummed up and the skin has to take over some of the liver function. And so your body then sends those toxins to the skin for processing. And that's when you have skin lesions and other skin conditions pop up. Hmm. So things like seborrhea, 
for example, like which is like dandruff, like on your face, um, various types of uh, keratoses and uh, other skin lesions, like you're talking about the so-called liver spots. Liver spots, they call them, or age spots, right? they call them age spots, yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. And, and even skin cancers happen uh-huh. as a result of this sometimes. Mm-hmm. So normally, if you have skin conditions like that and you work on your liver with coffee enemas, for example, um, and there's other things you can do, like taking milk thistle or NAC while you're doing coffee enemas that augment your liver's uh, recuperation, that then you open up the liver to resume that function, and the skin is then able to clear those things and clear up those lesions because it, you kind of put an unfair burden on the skin yeah. by uh, compromising your liver. So this is uh, something that many, you know, anyone can do, and it's a very common uh, thing that I encounter uh, when clients come for consultation. You've done a thing too that's uh, I haven't seen, but I want to do it: spiritual alchemy with Kelly Brogan. And Kelly Brogan is yes. very cool, man. She's she's got it going on, doesn't she? Doesn't she? Yeah. <laughs> you could definitely say that. <laughs> uh, Kelly and I have uh, done some some really uh, awesome collaboration, and you know she has really um, developed a, an extremely effective way of realizing the barriers that we have in changing our health like for example what you know what prevents us from making a big change or realizing that we are actually responsible and why do we have this kind of toxic relationship with the health system and even with the government right which she calls uh daddy government and uh, mommy medicine (laughs) right and so so she really helps with ways that you can overcome these barriers and get over that hump and actually start making changes in your life to improve your health. And then, you know, I talk about all of the psychological, the main types of psychological issues and spiritual issues that uh, contribute to health problems. Like, for example, food addictions is a main issue that is like ubiquitous, like it's really programmed into our consumer culture. Um, or dealing with trauma from the past or dealing with existential crises, mm-hmm. um, right? Or crisis of lack, loss of meaning in your life. So all of those aspects are intimately involved in health and healing. And so it's a comprehensive approach. It's not just physical, right? You have to consider the, the whole entirety of the individual, sure. which is mind, body, and spirit. Sure, sure. Um, do you do personal consultations? Somebody wants to know, or George just emailed. Do you do personal consultations too? Yeah, so I do very uh, limited consultations myself, but I have, um, as and you featured him, thank you for doing that, Dr. Grayson Dark. Oh, we haven't had him on yet. It, it didn't work out. Oh, you like, haven't? No, we're oh, going to do it. We're oh, going to do okay. it. Yeah. Well, so Dr. Dart, who is uh, an amazing young doctor, he finished his training in family medicine um, and couldn't bring himself to go and vaccinate kids wow. and give them poison medicines. And uh, he started doing some mentorship with uh, originally Dr. Cowan and then with me. And he was so, you know, brilliant and well-suited that I took him on as an apprentice. Huh. And uh, so he, he is, works with the clients and I supervise him. And uh, he's really done just amazing. Like he, he really is uh, completely independent at this point, and we're only like learning the subtler, finer uh, skills. And and uh, you know, I would 
of course, I would send my own family member to work with him. Oh, so I think people should really check check out um, uh, his page on my website. If you um, there's a tab on the menu for consultations, and you can uh, learn all about Grayson. And all, he even has a a series of uh, video blogs about health topics that you can. Uh, look at and learn um, even without a consultation. That's with andrewkaufman.com, which I, which I actually changed it. Yes, andrewkaufmanmd.com. Uh, yeah, I actually got it right, andrewkaufmanmd.com. I don't get it right when I talk about it. So a couple other things, then we'll let you go. Uh, also here, you've got a whole thing on your website, andrewkaufmanmd.com, on the way of water. The terrain work the terrain workshop yes so, big picture so what's the I like the coolest water ever to drink what is like the coolest water ever to drink well i i think it's um water uh stirred by the analemma water wand uh although there oh. may be some famous springs around the world that i would like to <laughs> have from participate uh, there's yeah. one in west virginia i heard about recently yeah but um, but you know what I've done is I I am do, giving workshops teaching some basic skills about improving your health and there is a a real a real pandemic not a pandemic of chronic dehydration and you know we've lost our ability to tell when we're thirsty and in that workshop I teach you how to reverse that and uh, there's a a protocol I've developed the way of water protocol that in 30 days you can be completely rehydrated and you know people have had just from doing that nothing else drinking water in a different way and, and a different amount and people have had from just that amazing results that they've had major improvements in energy a variety of health problems have improved or resolved oh, that's from cool. that that's blood cool. pressure has gone way down um, and uh, they, uh, their constipation has improved, et cetera, et cetera. So there's some so, kind of wand that you can actually stir your, what's it called? What's the name of it? The, so it's called the Analemma Water Wand. <laughs> Easy for you and to on say. On my website, you can find a link uh, to, it. to it. And uh, what it does is it, it turns regular water, and you should use pure water to begin with, right. but into energized, coherent, structured water which is the way that your body utilizes Use it. it. It's like in that, in that semi-liquid crystalline type of energy state. Mm. And, and um, do you start with distilled water? Well, you, you certainly could. Like for, if, you, if you don't have a clean spring water source of course. to drink, then, then I would use either reverse osmosis or distillation to those are the only methods that completely get all of the toxic things out of the water yeah yeah and then start with that then you stir it with the wand um and you can actually observe that the viscosity increases of the water as you stir it like it gets thicker okay um and then and then by drinking that you give your body a, a leg up i mean you're actually entered you're adding energy to that water so you're kind of increasing the levels of energy in your body. That's, That's pretty cool. You could. I also see on andrewkaufmanmd.com that you're a fan of Shilajit and you promote a Shilajit. Pretty cool stuff. There's a lot of uh, people talking about Shilajit. Pretty cool. Well, that, that's my own uh, product, it? and it's one of the only uh, Shilajit formulations that is harvested in the United States, um, and this particular one in the Rocky Mountains. And um, it it is um, kind of 
double doubly beneficial to use shilajit because mm. one is it supplies a full complement of the trace minerals that your body needs that you can no longer get from the food supply wow uh, which is a, in my product it's over 50 individual minerals and then the other part of it is that those minerals are supplied in fulvic acid which is what plants use to extract those minerals out of the soil and distribute them to their body so if we were able to get it from food like we used to we would get it from fulvic minerals in plants hmm. and this is basically a form of it that has decomposed in nature um, and it, it kind of just looks like dirt, but it's a very, very special dirt. <laughs> um, and uh, the animals come lick it up like a salt lick whenever it rains to get their minerals. They know about it already in nature, and that's actually how they find the source of it to harvest. But we make sure we leave enough for the animals. So I yeah. uh, want anybody to think that we're, we're taking it away completely. We're just, we're just taking some um, and leaving enough behind so so what that fulvic acid does though is once it delivers those good minerals to your body now it has open binding sites and what it does then is it takes the bad metals out so it actually chelates the mercury the lead the arsenic the chromium um, the aluminum and takes some of it out of your body at the same time it delivers the good ones so oh, it's cool so it's a, an essential part of any metal detox because you need to have the right metals available in order for your body to full let go, fully let go of those toxic ones. So in your research, you obviously came to the conclusion that a source here was a better choice than the Himalayan stuff, which is most of it is, right? High Himalayan and all that. Right. Well, the problem is, is that the companies who harvest it in those areas are not reputable and they... Um, add contaminants or sometimes they you know cut it with other materials like sawdust you got to be careful to increase their profit they also use child labor okay um, and so it when i was trying i tried to locate a source uh in russia and in and in india and nepal and it was like the slimiest businessmen hmm. all like they didn't want to give any information like, I want to know, oh, how is it harvest? How many people in your operation? Yeah. Where's the certificate of analysis? Where's your heavy metal and microbiology testing, right? And they're like, their response was, how much you want to buy? <laughs> how much you want to buy? <laughs> and I'm like, I want to buy a fair amount if you can show me that it's of the highest quality. And, and there, I could not find one reputable company. And then I made contact with, uh, someone who was harvesting it in the United States, and it's just you know one single individual who harvests it, mm -hmm. and is very careful to preserve it for the animals. They sent me the testing. In fact, I even did additional testing myself um, to be more comprehensive, and you. it was amazing quality product. And then it touches only one other individual's hands who does the, the simple purification step, which is just a vacuum filtration and then adding the right amount of distilled water to make it the right consistency. So it's a very pure product. Is it coming out of the ground or rocks or I kind of look at it as like dinosaur toe jam, you know, <laughs> I used to think about it. Uh, it like, <laughs> it's in these like uh, cra cracks in the rock outcroppings um, oh. in the mountain. Wow. Uh, in the Rocky Mountains of Utah. 
And uh, so what they do is like the, they originally found this by observing where the animals go after a rain that they follow certain animals and they found them licking up these outcroppings and then examine the substance and that's what it was that's kind of fun that's kind of fun yeah it's really cool how it's like nature from beginning oh yeah to good finish, stuff you know well thanks so much for coming on the show it's been great fun we covered a lot of territory here my goodness holy cow thanks a lot dr kaufman thanks for your work would you just hang one second i want one thing i want to do off the record here with you a second okay sure thing you stay right there i think i can turn off the microphone i don't know this thing's not working. So it's Andrew Kaufman, and check out his website, andrewkaufmanmd.com, and he's got all this fun stuff, sound thing we didn't even get to, but water and um, Dr. Kelly Brogan and consultations, and and we'll get together back with uh, uh, your your partner there. What's his name? And get him on. Talk to yeah, him. Yeah, Dr. Grayson. Dr. Grayson. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk to him. Doc, thank you so much. Appreciate your work. Good job. Stay out of trouble now. Pleasure as always, Patrick. Thank you. Dr. Andrew Kaufman, The Real Deal. We love real deals. And I wish I could turn off his microphone, but I can't. So, Doc, if you just stay chilled out for a second while I get rid of this thing, and uh, and then we'll do it. I don't know why that is, but, you know, it just is. Okay. Nevertheless, nonetheless, rather, we will see you tomorrow. And we are going to, what are we going to do tomorrow? Um, I'm not sure. Oh, Andrew, um, sorry. Um, Adam Bergstrom is on the third Wednesday of the month, and um, they cut off his, um, his electricity. It's going to be off all day tomorrow. I'm serious. I mean, what's up with that? All day tomorrow. So this whole energy thing that we talk about with the Green New Deal stuff, um, uh, it's just, this is what they want to do, and we'll get into it tomorrow. We'll talk about it. So it's going to be you and me tomorrow, and uh, we will see you tomorrow, 10 o'clock. Thanks for your ongoing support. Uh, check out that X3. We think this, uh, this system is one of the coolest things ever. Now my system lost the slide from Dr. Kaufman. Uh, it's, sorry, my computer is just having a bad hair day here and uh, don't know what to do. See if I still got it. No, it's gone. It's gone. So we'll just put up my slide. But I love you all. Thank you. We'll see you tomorrow, 10 o'clock. Thanks to Dr. Kaufman for all of his time. AndrewKaufmanMD.com. And we will see you tomorrow, 10 o'clock on OneRadioNetwork.com. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.